So obviously I was the weakest thing. Josh, can we have the words to O Come All You Faithful, please? Well, welcome everybody to this special service. Uh, we've heard a lot of uh, the Nativity events read uh, and we've also sung a lot. Uh, my name's Luke, if I haven't met you. I'm the minister here at St Mark's. Uh, and uh, I just thought we'd spend a few moments reflecting on uh, one of the carols uh, that apparently was voted, I heard yesterday, as the most popular carol uh, by a survey across New South Wales, uh, which is Oh Holy Night, I, I was told that. And uh, it's an interesting carol because one of the favourite words that I'd like to zoom in for a little bit tonight, you might have picked up from uh, the... Uh, the video at the beginning, a weary world, a weary world rejoices. It's a line that many of us can probably relate to, at least the weary world pass. We live in a weary world. I'm not sure how many of the images in the opening montage you could, you could spot. Uh, what we did when we put it together, we tried to pick uh, two images uh, for every month of the year, one local and one global uh, and we were finding a whole bunch of different things uh, and you could see just from that cumulative effect of all of those images, it's a weary world that we live in. Uh, we had earthquakes, cyclones, tragic accidents, deaths, wars, and when we were looking at uh, these for these noteworthy events, it wasn't intended to just be sad events. You might have noticed there, there was the Matildas featured in the July section, it was one of the rare good news stories, perhaps, that all Australians enjoyed in the last year. But the majority of the newsworthy events of the last year were, uh, well, we could describe them as weary. We're weary of the cycle of tension and violence in the Middle East. We're weary of the floods, the fires, the earthquakes. We're weary of another tragic, unexplained accident. We're weary of the culture wars, the political aggression. We live in a weary world, and it's not just the world that's out there that's weary. Uh, for most of us, there is some level of weariness on a personal level. Uh, it comes whether it's through tragic loss and grief, exhaustion, unresolved family tensions. There's weariness from just reading social media. Uh, there's weary uh, things that help uh, that, that come when we see others that we love suffering. There's a weariness that just comes from the ongoing slog of life. There's a weariness uh, that isn't too hard to find in the world that we live in. We live in a weary world, and this year hasn't been any more weary than last year. It's just that we live in a weary world. Now, I do apologise if you came tonight to try to get away from the weary world. 
I confess, and I've got to be honest with you, that coming into a building, no matter how impressive the lights are, no matter how beautiful the music is, and it has been beautiful, hasn't it? It's been stunning. It won't actually be enough. I'd be lying to say you could genuinely escape this weary world by coming into this kind of room lit up like this. But my hope and prayer for tonight and our time tonight is that we will see how we can truly rejoice in this weary world. It's a bit of a paradox, rejoicing in a weary world. But this is what is clearly promised and put forward in the events of Christmas, in the carols that we sing, in the Bible passages that have been read. And here's the thing about the Bible, despite the cheap shots that are so often leveled at it, the Bible is not a fabricated fairy tale. It talks with great precision about the stuff of history. In fact, not just the stuff of history, but with profound insight into the reality of the world that we live in. The world that the Bible's written into was a weary world just like ours today. To live under the first century Roman rule was no easy life. It would have been an oppressive, suffocating political rule, exhausting. There would have been no hope for social advancement, career opportunities. You just got the unjust hand that you were dealt. It was a weary world for Joseph, the carpenter, having to face the public humiliation of his fiancée falling pregnant outside of marriage, despite how many times he would protest, I did not sleep with her. Who would believe Joseph, right? It was a weary world for Mary, probably about 13 or 14 years old, suddenly falling pregnant, possibly facing divorce, and public shame. Mary having to travel for this census thing, pregnant, no choice of her own. It would have been a weary world for those shepherds, working underpaid 24-7 out there on the hills, risking their life for their sheep. It would have even been a weary world for King Herod, right? Exhausted by watching his back all the time, anxious about his throne, agitated, obsessed by guarding it. When we read the pages of Scripture, we see an unflinching, penetrating diagnosis of the weary world that we find ourselves in. The prophet Isaiah, writing hundreds of years before the, the events of the birth of Jesus, said, and we heard this read out tonight, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. A light has dawned on those living in the land of darkness. You have enlarged the nation and it increased its joy. Do you remember the message that was given to the shepherds from the angels outside, literally in darkness, outside in the fields, outside in Bethlehem? Don't be afraid. Look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. It's a message of great joy, mega joy, uber joy, right? For everyone. Now, that is a very big claim to make today. A message of uber, mega joy, for everyone. If it's a big claim to make today, it would have been an even bigger claim to make in the first century. Uh, uh, the idea of joy being available equally across society, it would have been a concept unheard of. 
perhaps joy for the rich, perhaps joy for the morally upright, perhaps joy for the healthy or the powerful, perhaps, but great joy for all people. That must be hyperbole. That's a huge claim to make, right? An even bigger claim is made by the angels a little later. Glory to God in the highest and peace on earth. A lead singer of U2, Bono, wrote these words in the 2001 song, Peace on Earth. He wrote, I hear it every Christmas time, but hope and history won't rhyme. So what's it worth, this peace on earth? He raises a good point, right? Where is this great joy for all people? Where is this peace on earth? Another songwriter, John Lennon, shared his desire for world peace in a number of songs. At the end of the weary world of warfare, uh, he wrote the most famous example of Imagine, but the other one that comes around this time is Happy Christmas, War is Over. You know the song? The frame is really powerful. War is over if you want it. And I think the Bible writers would agree, war is over if you want it. But here's where the texts of Scripture go further. The Scriptures know the human condition far better than any other poet or songwriter. The promises in the Bible are not cheap political three-word slogans like peace on earth, kind of with zero intention of carrying out and delivering those promises. If you want it, is actually key to peace on earth. If you want it. Uh, There are two solutions often put forward for world peace or peace on earth. That is to look outside ourselves. You look outside, outward, to try to fix all the problems out there. And that might involve pointing the fingers at others, starting to campaign, political activism, protesting, warfare, whatever it is. That's outside. That's one solution. But we can see we're not progressing too far down that way. The other way that we try to solve the peace on earth problem is to look inward. The problem's not out there. We have to fix ourselves. There's a bit of a logic to that. Lenin said, war, not the other Lenin, John Lennon, war is over if you want it. Look inside yourself. Do you want it? But are we getting closer to fixing our hearts? Right? How's that working out for the human race? We can't fix our hearts by focusing in on them ourselves. I remember as a child how angry I would get when my parents would tell me that I'm tired. (laughs) I'm not tired, I'd say, and I'd stamp my feet, and then I'd burst into tears. You're only crying because you're tired, and I'd say, I'm not. And there would kind of be this cycle, like this self-fulfilling prophecy they go yeah you're getting really angry because you're tired i'm not i'm only angry because you're saying that i'm making tired you know that experience i'm not tired yes you are but soon enough as soon as they throw me in the car not throw me they put me in the car and i'd fall asleep like a light because i really really was tired even though i had protests stumbling i'm not tired i think we can all be very stubbornly weary pretending we're not the solution for world peace is not looking outward, not looking inward, but to look, for want of a better word, upward. The prophet Malachi talks of a time of the coming of the Lord when the hearts of the people 
are turned by God himself. When relationships are restored by the turning of hearts that comes with the arrival of Jesus. For the weary world to rejoice, we need to know that we are actually quite stubbornly weary. And we'll only be able to rejoice when we give up perhaps our moral foot stamping. I'm not tired, I'm a good person, I've got this sorted. We need a rescuer, a heart turner. The reason the weary world can rejoice is that God has sent his rescuer king to us today, a saviour who is Messiah, King, the Lord, was born for you in the city of David. It's like there's been this spiritual standoff between us and God. I'm not tired. I'm a good person. I've got this sorted. And God is saying, you are tired. You need rest. You're gripped by sin. You need a rescuer. It's not until we rest in this saviour, this king, that this big war between us and God is over and we can only have the peace when we know this war between us and God is over when we accept his son. We can only have this peace between us and our maker, this peace that starts in our hearts even as we live in this weary world. what kind of peace on earth can happen? What kind of rescuing can actually happen when we know Jesus? Is Bono right? What's it, I hear it every Christmas time. Hope and history don't rhyme. What's it worth if peace on earth? Does peace on earth actually happen? Where can you see it? I just wanted to end with one example that often stands out. You can see it a lot of places, but one that has stood out for me over recent years. Uh, do you remember the, uh, there's the time um, where there were those convicted drug traffickers, Andrew Chan and Mario Urens, I can imprevent, Sukumaran in Bali, significant ringleaders in a, a drug network, the Bali Nine, I think it was, and they, they were convicted and under the Indonesian law would be executed by firing squad and there was a lot of campaigning by the Australian government for clemency and and uh, Andrew and Mario Uren, uh, they would they would plea for clemency. But what happened when they were in prison was they came to know Jesus. And so they didn't actually stand on their rights that they needed to be freed. Uh, the, the prison system could see their transformed lives. And while their circumstances didn't get really any better... They went to that firing squad and when they died, they were singing 10,000 Reasons, if you know the song, Bless the Lord on my soul. They had peace on earth. Because they'd fixed their relationship with their maker. They had peace on earth. They were in the point when you'd be panicking, in terror, joyful praise. These weary men rejoicing. They had a thrill of hope, even at the point of death. 
What gives these men this thrill of hope? It's knowing that rescuer, the king, the true light and life comes from knowing the eternal peace with God in Jesus. The promise of peace on earth is real and you can have it tonight by dropping the fight. War is over if you want it. I am weary. I'm stubborn. I give up. Let me rest in you, my Saviour and my Lord. Let me pray. Father, we give you great thanks. For you have come indeed to us in your Son. You have come into this weary world. And you have offered us peace. You have offered us true and perfect peace with you. That starts now and stretches into eternity. And we're sorry for the ways that we can be stubbornly weary. We ask that you will help us this night to drop the fight, to rest in you, to rest in our Saviour and our Lord. We ask this in his name. Amen. We're now going to hear a brief story of one of our members.